This is Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. Stanford, 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea Americana. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Radio Atenea Americana. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Bienvenidos. Atenea Americana. Welcome. Bienvenidos. From Stanford to the world. about new and old methods of education. Our guests talk from Stanford University and from the University of Texas in San Antonio, and they are Dr. Belinda Flores, Department Chair and Professor of Bicultural Bilingual Studies at the University of San Antonio, and Dr. Lorena Kleis, Executive Director of the Academy of Teacher Excellence, also located at the University of Texas. And here at the station, I have Dr. Linda Prieto, also PhD, who just relocated to Palo Alto and had been assistant professor at the same Texas University. She was also part of the Nepo One Sinsin project. The topic of our discussion today is the learning of ancient methods of understanding mathematics that was developed by pre-Columbian tribes for millennia and today can be reused to advance and facilitate the comprehension of simple and complex concepts through a graphic and logic way. The Nepawan Sin Sin project had proven that kids in preschool can understand easily concepts of addition, subtraction, multiplication, and even the square root with this method in a playful way. At the same time, college students from computer science had found their methods helpful in facilitating binary numbers concepts and applications. Stay with us to learn a little bit more about this. talking from Stanford with a guest that just arrived from the University of Texas in San Antonio, and we're actually talking with some of her uh, teammates over there. Uh, Linda is going to introduce us a little bit about her project and uh, her guest. Okay, so the project uh, belongs to the University of Texas at San Antonio, and so with us on the phone from San Antonio are both Dr. Belinda Flores, who's the chair of the Department of Bicultural Bilingual Studies in the College of Education and Human Development there, as well as our colleague, Dr. Lorena Kleis, and she's the executive director of the Academy for Teacher Excellence there at UT San Antonio as well. And so this is where the Nipple One Sing Sing After School clubs live. And so I just had the fortune of being on the original 
know, planning and design team with them there in San Antonio, uh, but have since made the move here to Stanford and to the Bay Area and hoping to start clubs here as well. Um, so I think if we have Dr. Gleis begin by telling us a little bit about how the clubs came to be um, through UT San Antonio. Basically, uh, here at uh, San Antonio, uh, we were looking for uh culturally uh, responsive curriculum pedagogy for our mathematics and secondary level teachers about uh, 10 years ago. And that's how we started uh, learning about the Nepal-Wisinsing as a type of uh, ethnomathematics to integrate in the teacher uh, preparation program. And over uh, the years, the project have expanded, and in addition to using the Nepal project as a component for the teacher preparation program, we started uh, taking it to the local uh, school districts to implement it as an informal learning opportunity for children in the community and also to give opportunities to our undergraduate uh, teacher candidates to work uh, with children in uh, high-need uh, schools. And for also our teacher candidates um, to feel stronger in the areas of mathematics, because if we look at the research of teacher preparation, unfortunately, uh, mathematics and science continue to be the two areas in which most of our uh, teacher candidates feel the least prepared in. So it was really purposeful in wanting these um, future uh, elementary school teachers to feel better about themselves in the areas of mathematics uh, by serving as mentors to the children participating in these after-school clubs. And so then those teacher candidates were coming uh, enrolled in my course and then serving as volunteers. You are from the um, education department. You are from the education department at the university. Uh, that's your background. It's not in the math department. Uh, so you are actually trying to make a, a method for people easier to, to learn. Yes, where uh, the Academy for Teacher Excellence is uh, housed in the College of Education and Human Development here at the university. And uh, we work uh, here through our college. Uh, we prepare teacher candidates for all levels. And as uh, Linda uh, mentioned, this project is uh, twofold. It has been uh, the after school club as an informal learning has been designed to improve the students' uh, capacity to learn uh, mathematics. And that's uh, not only the children in the schools, but also for our teacher candidates, uh, the ones that are not majoring in mathematics. I'm just going to say that we work very closely with the Department of Mathematics and the College of Science and College of Engineering here at UTSA. You are applying this method to all levels of education. You are putting it to new learners in kindergarten or preschool. You are also applying it to a curriculum for secondary education, and you're also applying it for some college students. Uh, yes. Explain a little bit to uh, our audience, because I understand it uh, from outside. It's a graphic uh, way to see uh, math and see numbers. It's a decimal system. can also be work is, uh, in, in the 
20th, uh, not using the 10th uh, system. Uh, and it also is an ancient method that understood the zero in a very early age, way before Rome Empire was actually using the zero system. So it's uh, completely adaptable to our our math today, and uh, it can be applied in any way in our learning. Uh, yes, uh, is an uh, an instrument an ancient an ancient tool uh, developed and used uh, by pre-Columbian Mesoamerican uh, people by the Mayans the Nahua the Aztec societies and it was used uh, for calculation and accounting and uh, that's uh, what we're uh, doing here uh, we're uh, trying to bring that this uh, ancient uh, knowledge and what we call here uh, the sacred knowledge for the the students uh, the young uh, elementary level uh, the middle level secondary level and at the university uh, to understand how uh, mathematics was used uh, as part of uh, the, the these uh, Mesoamerican people's uh, daily life and uh, yes, it's an instrument that can be uh, very easily um, uh, used. The students uh, have opportunities to learn uh, using the base 10 system because that's what is uh, used here in the United States. Older, uh, right now, we don't have any students at the, at the high school uh, level, uh, but we're working with our colleague, Everardo Lara Gonzalez from Mexico City, and they're already developing the curriculum to start teaching the algebra, uh, uh, trigonometry, uh, calculus uh, at more advanced uh, levels. Did people in the ancient times, everybody used to learn this or it was used for the most rich people or the merchants or the priests, the high level people in the society, or this was a common method for everybody? Well, it was uh, a, a common method for everybody because they used, they used it in their daily life, Go, going to, to the market square when they were doing their trading and doing their counting they the instrument that they had was like like a brace it was a mobile device it was a bracelet that they were uh, wearing to do their calculations but uh, like any society uh, you're uh, more rich affluent uh, individuals were the, the first ones uh, utilize uh, this instrument but we have uh, learned from uh, Everardo is uh, being used for the calculations of uh, daily, uh, you know, from basic, very basic uh, operations to more uh, sophisticated calculations. There were only, like, the royal or the, the people who hold, held higher status were the ones that were educated in, in the mathematics. And also they were the ones um, either creating these instruments or creating these different ways of using it because they, they use the scientific method and the power of observation to create these different instruments. Everything's based on the observation of the cosmos. And so it was a more learned society that created these instruments and utilized them. Yes, the common day, everyday people use them, but not necessarily were they either educated or creating these instruments.
And also the design of the instruments would have been different. As Lorena was saying, you know, folks at the market might have the everyday mobile device uh, of the bracelet where, you know, the accountants for those in power would have an instrument uh, where the counters were made out of precious stones. Um, and the, the instrument that we have today is a very uh, affordable, um, very easy to reproduce instrument that's uh, mostly plastic with some metal uh, beams to hold it in place about, you know, 13 inches long. Uh, if held uh, horizontally and about maybe four inches uh, tall. That would sit nicely on a desk or on a table. Remember that this is Atenea Americana and that you can find this and all my shows at standforhispanicbroadcasting.org and the topic today is the Nepo One Sinsin project and for that we're talking with Dr. Belinda Flores, Dr. Lorena Clay and Dr. Linda Prieto from the University of Texas at San Antonio. Stay with us to learn a little bit more about this ancient method of understanding mathematics. Also developing this uh, little uh, million abacus, we could call it, in a digital way. You are also developing new tools for the new generation so they can actually have apps or they can use it in different ways wherever they go. Yes, we have this uh, virtual Nepal Walsim thing. We had a group of uh, students from the Department of Computer Science that designed this virtual uh, Nepal Walsinsin. It's a web-based Nepal Walsinsin right now uh, that anybody uh, can access online. One of our goals is uh, to create an app as well that can be used. That way, everybody can have access in any type of uh, mobile device. Math is always a part of life, not just, you don't just specialize in that, but it's also part of your philosophies, your daily life, of your belief, even religious belief. Can it just sneak everywhere on life, science, and even games? And uh, you already told that uh, it was also applied to study astronomy, uh, but it's also a little bit of other logic games that they used to play, and you're actually applying that in the classrooms. Can you talk a little bit about uh, other ways how you are applying these methods for the teaching of logic and the teaching of traditions, the games you were talking before for the kids? Yeah, Lorena, if you can give a little overview of the after-school clubs, maybe the listeners will have a better idea of what happens during that hour or two hours after school and yeah, uh, the so, different materials yeah. the students are exposed to. Uh, the Nepal Walsh Project is an informal learning club. 
provides opportunities for uh, children from uh, the elementary schools to meet once a week for about an, an hour, two hours. And they, in, uh, during that time, they have uh, about uh, 20 minutes that they uh, dedicate on uh, working, manipulating, using the Nepal World Simpson to uh, to learn uh, use uh, basic calculations and these uh, range from successive addition to uh, subtraction, multiplication, uh, division, and uh, doing uh, square uh, roots where they have uh, both uh, the replica of the ancient Nepal sensing and they can utilize the virtual Nepal sensing. Then they have about 20 to 30 minutes where they are learning the culture, uh, the history, uh, the, the language, not only uh, the Spanish language, but also the Nahuatl language. In a fun, interactive way, uh, we have um, games uh, that have been integrated for the children where they uh, some of the games can be uh, Board games like uh, La Pitarra, others are more uh, kinesthetic, like that Tema uh, Lashtasli, or we have other traditional toys and games that many of our uh, Latino, uh, Mexican-American uh, communities are familiar with, such as uh, El Trompo, El Valero, uh, La Loteria. Let me jump in real quick. So to give you the example of the Loteria, so when our team formed... Um, gosh, a year ago already this past May to design the pilot, uh, I was working with the games in particular. And so I wanted a game that the children would already likely be familiar with. And so in largely Latino or Mexican-American homes, uh, many of us are exposed to Loteria. And we grow up playing which Loteria, is kind of like a bingo which thing. is kind of like a bingo here in the U.S., but based on images and, and not so much numbers. And so what I did was I, I found words that are commonly spoken in the U.S. in Spanish, which we would say have a Mexican origin, but in reality have an origin to the Nahuatl language. And so then on the card with the image, you will have the nice graphic that's been designed by the team at UTSA in Ate. And then you'll have the word in English, you'll have the word in what would be called Mexican Spanish, and then the original Nahuatl word. And so that children even at in preschool or at the kindergarten level who may not be fully literate yet and can't read the words can recognize the image nonetheless. And then our acquiring it in Spanish and or English and then Nahuatl as well, which is really fun and, and sometimes a bit of a challenge for our teacher candidates who tend to be monolingual English speakers. But it's a way to, again, get them out of their comfort zone and get them to see themselves as learners, not just the children. And also some other games that are more physical, like uh, the hopscotch. Yeah, so the Tamalacatchli is, is the closest equivalent to the Tamalacatchli would be hopscotch, although it's much more physically challenging uh, than, the, than hopscotch is. And it's also, uh, again, has a philosophical component that would, you know, take us a little bit too long to explain today, but that has connections to the heavens and ascending as a as an individual. Um, and so those uh learning opportunities become really important again for the children who maybe haven't thought uh, of themselves as strong in mathematics or haven't been given an opportunity to think broadly about how mathematics influences our everyday life. Uh, Lorena, if you want to talk about the, the labyrinth? Uh, yes, the labyrinth that we have developed. We wanted to, in keeping up with, uh, you know, the 
latest uh, developments uh, on uh, technology, we wanted to have uh, an, an interactive um, game-like activity for the children. So we have this uh, labyrinth where the children go on an excursion to explore uh, the pyramids. And we have a, 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 me, a Mesoamerican map with uh, three uh, pyramids. Each one of the pyramids has a, a different level to uh, accommodate the learning needs of the various children that we have at, at different uh, grade levels. So they have some activities that are developmentally appropriate for the different grades or we, we don't want to box the children per, uh, as grade levels. So we give uh, the, the activities that we have, we have it in, in cycles. So uh, cycle one, they go to the first pyramid and they're going to find the different a snake that wraps around the, the steps of uh, the pyramid. And the scales of the snake has the numbers of the different uh, activities. So uh, as the children are going up the pyramid, they can uh, select one of th those numbers and they're going to have some problems for them uh, to solve. And now these uh, math problems have been designed and aligned to the state standards. So we're, we're uh, continuing to support the school districts and the state curriculum, but in this uh, virtual, informal way where uh, the children, they look at it as, oh, it's a game. We're going, uh, we're going to go online and play this game. So they're doing mathematics, utilizing the instrument. They can use the replica of the ancient uh, Nepal wall sensing or uh, the virtual uh, Nepal to solve some of these problems. Now, for older children, we also have a little uh, journal, a little uh, notebook that they use to keep notes. So they're they're taking notes as they're going, they're solving uh, the problems and they're making observations because one, as they're moving from uh, one level to the next, they're uh, col collecting all these field notes, these observational notes that are that that are going to help them to solve all their math problems that they're going to encounter later on on their journey. So they go through these different levels until they finish, and they have some additional game and fun activities in be in between uh, their journeys from one level to the next. So and and all of this is part of the the scientific method as well. This Nepal Sensing Ethnomathematics project is very interdisciplinary. It's an integrative approach where uh, we see that the children are developing that mathematical and scientific uh, skills in, in a fun, informal way. This is Atenea Americana, and I am your host, Isabel Jubes. You may find this and all my shows at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. This is a bilingual cultural show, bringing you a window to the Latin and Hispanic universe. Every week, for two hours, one in English and one in Spanish, from Stanford to the world. 
You can also be part of this, leaving me your comments, sharing your thoughts, and even more at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. I invite you to be part of this. And the topic today is the Nepo One Sinsin Project. And for that, we're talking with Dr. Belinda Flores, Dr. Lorena Clay, and Dr. Linda Prieto from the University of Texas at San Antonio. What are the plans to expand your project? Uh, I know that you're already in Mexico, you are already in San Antonio, and you are starting to try here around Stanford in the Bay Area. There are still small groups. Uh, are you planning to try to study these small groups in depth, or you are trying to expand? Uh, you are trying to take it to the new kids, new new areas? What are the plans now? Our plan are to share all this uh, sacred knowledge uh, w with everyone. Mm -hmm. But uh, here, specifically in San Antonio, we went from five, five clubs uh, last year to 11 clubs this coming academic uh, year. Uh, now in uh, California, we have a colleague from uh, San Diego, uh, UC San Diego, uh, Olga Vasquez. She has uh, La Clase Magica, which is another informal learning club. And uh, she she has had that club uh, for the past uh, 25, 26 years. So now uh, she's been uh, learning uh, about the Nepal-Sinsing, the methodology, the uh, philosophy, and they're looking at integrating uh, the Nepal project in La Clase Magica. Uh, yeah, uh, over there in California, there's uh, a couple of people uh, that have expressed interest from Chicago. And uh, recently, we had global lead conference here in San Antonio. We had ministers of education from uh, Costa Rica, Honduras, Guatemala, and they all express uh, an interest. So we'll be working with our colleague, Everardo uh, Lara Gonzalez, uh, to continue to promote the Nepal World Sensing Project. Well, all luck in the world. We hope to see more of these. And if everybody wants to learn a little bit about this, you can see photos and uh, find some very interesting links in, in our website, stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. Thank you very much for being here with us and for telling us, introducing to this new world of education and all this very interesting project. Thank you so much, Isa, for having us today. Thank you. And this was Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Stanford 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. This is Radio Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Vuelve pronto. Atenea Americana. From Stanford to the world. Remember to come back soon. Ciao. See you later.